right, well, welcome to each one of you. It's so good to have you all here. And uh, I'm going to read Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 16. It says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Let's all stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with thankful hearts, Lord, hearts of praise, Lord Jesus, and thanksgiving for all that you are and all that you have done, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. And Lord, we just pray that you would um, bless us this morning. We pray that you would draw us to you and that Jesus would be seen and revealed to us, Lord Jesus. God, I pray for every song that's sung and word that's spoken, Father, that it would minister to us, that it would bring you glory, Lord Jesus. We're here to worship you, to praise you, to lift your name high, and to, um, to reckon you as Lord. Lord, we bow before you and give you thanks from the bottom of our hearts for what you've done. Thank you for each one that's here, Lord, and we pray for those who are participating online, Lord, ask that you would... Um, draw them to you as well. You would speak to them. And God, we give you all the thanks and the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You are Lord of creation and Lord of my life. Let's sing together. You are Lord of creation and Lord of my life. Lord of the land and the seas. You were Lord of and King of my life, King of the land and the seas. You were King of the heavens before there was time. King of all kings you will be. We bow down and we crown you the King. We bow down and we crown you the King. We bow down and we crown you the King. I 
see his wounds, his hands, his feet, drenched in tears, they lay him down in Joseph's tomb, the entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah
praise you this morning because you are worthy to be praised. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the cross, for the blood that you shed, for the life that you give. Lord, you have come to give life and life more abundantly, Lord, and we thank you for that. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Since um, Laurie passed away, I feel like the cross has become so much more precious to me in um, just really bringing home in my heart how that without the cross, without Jesus, there'd just be no hope. There would just be emptiness, darkness, um, hopelessness. But she's in the presence of perfect love and perfection and no more pain. Um, I was reading um, in her journal last night and she was a few years ago, she was writing about how she just can't wait to see Jesus, just can't wait to be home. And um, yeah, it was a really uh, precious moment just to the reality of that. And uh, God is so good. Does anyone else have a testimony or something to share the Lord's been doing in your life uh, feel free you know if I start talking you may as well sit down so you may as well sit down <laughs> um, with the youth on uh, with the youth on Friday night we were studying Romans the latter part of Romans chapter 7 and the beginning of Romans chapter 8 but this verse has just really been, uh, I guess, marinating in my mind for the last day. Um, it's Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And if you know Romans 7 and 8, the latter part of Romans chapter 7 is talking about, Paul is talking about how the law is there. And um, we cannot in ourselves obey. But in Christ, in the Spirit, we have victory. But in our own flesh, we have nothing. But when it comes to chapter 8, the, I mean, I love that verse. There is now therefore no condemnation. And how many times, as Jason and I were talking all day yesterday, he decided to ride with me, thank goodness, because I only got an hour and a half of sleep by the time the last peachy left the house. Um, <laughs> Um, no, and uh, we were sitting there talking. He's like, "I'll just ride with you," and I was so glad he was. And we, yeah, we just talked all day and just different valleys and mountaintops as we were just discussing our life in Christ, how we, where God will take us, where God is taking us, where God has had us, different um, low points but high points that God has taken on us. On that verse just kept coming to mind. I have no condemnation. I don't care. The devil will try every which way to make me think that I am guilty, that I am not good enough, that I can never attain. I can't in myself. But because of the spirit that lives within me, I can. And I have. I don't need to live there being defeated. I don't need to have a heavy weight hanging upon me. I can live free. I can be pure within Christ because of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. 
It says there in chapter 8, it says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That is what he wants to put within us. If it can raise, that spirit can raise Jesus literally from the dead, his dead body. How much more can we be raised up spiritually within our minds, within our spirit? Every day, it, we, we should be able to live within Christ. Yes, we have times where we are defeated. Even Paul's admitting that. That was what we were talking about with the youth. How Paul is admitting, this is Apostle Paul who wrote half the New Testament or more than half the New Testament. He's admitting there is a sin nature within him. He falls. He is not perfect. We all are human. We all fall. We are not perfect. But in Christ, we can continue to live. We can confess and move on with Christ and not have condemnation. That is what I want to uh, encourage you guys with, or each one of you with, is to live with no condemnation in Christ.
I'll stand if you're able to.
In death's dark veil I fear no ill With thee, dear Lord, beside me Thy rod and staff my comfort still Thy cross before to guide me Never failing Ruler of my heart So through all the length of days, thy goodness faileth never. Good shepherd, may I sing your praise within your house forever. Within your house forever. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. And I'll turn the time over. And we could vote every Sunday to put them up here again if you want. Is that what you'd like to do, Caden? You want to vote them up here? Hmm. Well, let's see how good you guys do. If you're just that bad without Brad, then maybe we'll have to bring him back up. <laughs> and And Lukey. Yeah, I'm not sure why Lukey graduated to that seat. He graduated a long time ago down there. Hmm. All right. You guys got a song? See if you can think of songs we have not sang here in a long time. Let me think here. 
The monkey, monkey one, huh? Um, I'm no kin to the monkey. Huh? You make a good monkey, kid. See if you go, if you do. He really looked like a monkey. He did pretty good on the sound, though. That was perfect. You must watch a few. You must watch a few monkeys. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got a few monkeys in the house. All right. I'm no kin to the monkey. The monkey's no kin to me. I don't know much about his ancestors, but mine didn't swing from a tree. It seems so unbelievable, but they believe that it's true. Teaching our children in schools now that humans were monkeys once too. I'm no kin to the monkey, don't know the monkey's no kin to me. I don't know much about his ancestors, but mine didn't swing from a tree. It seems so, it seems so much more believable, and surely, surely it's true that God made man in his image. And the new story will do. I'm no kin to the monkey. The monkey's no kin to me. I don't know much about his ancestors, but mine didn't swing from a tree. Huh? Oh, hey, hey, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Remember, we're supposed to be positive up here. So what we have to do is we have to think about something positive. What did they do? Hmm. See, she's probably singing like I used to sing when I didn't know the words. Yeah. Didn't you ever do that? When you don't know the words, but you want everybody to think you're singing, you just go, <laughs> and then everybody thinks you're singing. Just as long as nobody's a good lip reader. Hmm? Uh-huh. I don't know if he was, was he doing watermelon, 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 or was he actually singing the words, but he just wasn't putting any vocal to it. Mm -hmm. See, watermelon's got a lot of syllables, so it makes your lips look like they're moving. <laughs> you want watermelon? <laughs> All right. What's another song? Dad can't eat watermelon? Gosh, your burdens. Oh, my. That one's a favorite. Okay, you going to sing it? I expect you to be on the floor. We sang that last Sunday, though, didn't we? Yeah. I said we had to sing songs we didn't sing every Sunday. We sang that last Sunday. Got to find a new one. No, no. Oh, I'm leaning on the Lord's side. Well, we haven't sang that one for a while. All right. 
See? Tell me whose side are you leaning on? Tell me whose side are you leaning on? I lean, I lean, I lean, I lean, I'm leaning on the Lord's side. I lean, I lean, I lean, I lean, I'm leaning on the Lord's side. Tell me whose side are you staring on? On the Lord's side. Tell me whose side are you singing on? I sing, I sing, I sing, I sing, I'm singing on the Lord's side. I sing, I sing, I sing, I sing, I'm singing on the Lord's side. Tell me whose side are you praying on? Tell me whose side are you praying on? I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I'm praying on the Lord's side. I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I'm praying on the Lord's side. Well, at least he's leaning on something. I don't know, though. Go ahead. What you got? King of the Jungle. All right. You going to be able to do this with a guitar in your hand? Okay. Should we get all the guys to help and all the girls to help? Okay. The girls know their part. I know the boys are supposed to go, ooh, ooh. What do you... Okay, so we're going to sing that one now. What keys? Yeah. Who's the king of the jungle? Who's the king of the sea? Who's the king of the universe? And who's the king of me? I tell you, J-E-S-U-S. Yes, he's the king of me. He's the king of the universe, the jungle and the sea. Who's the king of the jungle? Who's the king of the sea? Who's the king of the universe? And who's the king of me? I tell you, J-E-S-U-S. Yes, he's the king of me. He's the king of the universe, the jungle and the sea. Where in the world were all the whaley whaleys? There was just like one little whaley whaley out there floating along. I know, it was just one little whaley whaley. All right. Well, we got Anthony up here. We may as well keep him here. What do you guys want to do with him? <laughs> he does Father Abraham. Steve, you're not getting old enough fast enough for me to forget that song. That's the problem. Oh, okay. We haven't sang it for a while.
All right, well, let's get at Got to get you. He's got to stand up here. No, that's you. Father Abraham. You were looking for a weight loss program. Um. <laughs> this is this is where we start. All right. All right. Well, which who are who are who are you more like? Your mom or your dad, Sherry? You don't know. Hmm. All right. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. Man, one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right arm, left arm, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right arm, left arm, right foot, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, chin up, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, chin up, turn around, Father Abraham. Had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, chin up, turn around, sit down. Woo! Good job, Anthony. Huh? All right, well, you're sitting now, so I guess we'll let Sarah to read you a story. Okay, you can sit down too, Kate. All right. sing it. All right, today I have a terrible story for you. It is so sad. It's a really sad story, but hopefully we'll learn from something from it. It's about a ship. Have you guys ever heard of the wreck of Atlantis? 
Okay, well, this is about a shipwreck, and it's a pretty sad story, so get ready. Can you handle it? Okay, it was, a cold, it was cold that early morning in October when the Atlantis set sail for her long voyage. She, the Atlantis, was carrying a load of timber logs for a distant land. Her hold was packed full of large, dry blocks of wood for a huge building project. The logs were very heavy, and the journey ahead of the great ship was long. But the captain and crew had taken this trip many times before. They loved the gentle rolling waves, the cool ocean breezes, and the soft splash of fish and other sea creatures. They liked nothing better than to spend a couple of weeks on the calm, glassy ocean waters. However, only a few days out of the local harbor, the weather took a turn for the worse. Those gently rolling waves the crew liked so much became tall and fierce. The cool ocean breezes became strong and cold. All of the splashing fish disappeared and dove deep into the water, seeking shelter from the growing storm. At first, it was just another eastern squall. They happened from time to time out here on the open water. No big deal. But this time, long into the night, the rough seas dragged on and on. In fact, if anything, the waves seemed to be growing worse. No one got any sleep. By morning, most everyone on the old steamship became tired and anxious. The captain was worried too. Oh, he'd weathered many an ocean gale in his years at sea. He was always quiet and calm in rough water, but there was just something about this storm, something he simply could not explain. He was very concerned. As the Atlantis plowed farther into the raging wind and the crashing waves, the captain felt a cold chill way down deep in his bones. He knew something was terribly wrong. Bang, bang! With a terrible roar, the heavy logs, deep in the hold of the ship, broke loose from their ropes and rolled around below like claps of thunder. The captain jumped to his feet, his eyes darting around wildly. He was actually afraid of the sea for the first time in his life. However, if the crew couldn't get the logs tied up soon, the heavy cargo would shift to one side and the ship would sink. Every man on the ship was in the hold now, restacking the logs and trying to tie them back down. The waves grew higher and higher, tossing the huge ship around like she was a toy boat in a bathtub. It was no use. There simply wasn't enough time to restack the logs. They were shifting faster than the men could stack them. Powerless to stop them, the men watched as the logs thundered against the side of the freighter. The next wave caught the helpless ship off balance. With a great bellowing roar, the mighty Atlantis rolled hard, flipped on her side, and slipped beneath the crashing waves. Whoa. What a story. Only if the men had more time to work. If only the storm hadn't been so strong. If only the logs were tied better to begin with. If only, if only, if only. What does this have to do with the story about God? Hmm. Yeah, it did. It sunk to the bottom of the ocean. Much like the ill-fated Atlantis, we only have a certain amount of time in this world. You see, God has given us a number of years to do his will here on earth. 
Then, if we have trusted Christ as our personal Savior, he will take us to be with him. Our time here will be done. But unlike the task of the Atlantis and her crew, our job is not hopeless. Not at all. You see, we do have enough time. God has given us the time we need to do what? What has God given us time to do here? Work. To work? What else has God given us time to do? Yes, Caleb. Be to be kind? Yes. What else? Can you think of something God has given us to do? To do what? To share the gospel. That's the most important thing. Right? Our time here is actually really not very long. When you get to be Steve's age, you start thinking, boy, our life is actually pretty short. I bet he would say life goes by pretty fast. And I think the older we get, the faster it goes. It actually is still in the bottom of that ocean, that ship. But the point is that God has given us enough time to spread the good news of his salvation because there are so many people who are dying who do not know Jesus. So your friends at school, your friends that you see at the park, you know what you can do? You can be a light to them. You can say, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And everywhere you go, you can be kind and you can share his good news. You can be kind to your brothers and sisters. Um, and we don't want to waste our time. We have plenty of time to help our family, friends, and our church. We have been given the precious gift of time. We can't afford to waste it. So let's stop living our lives trying to make ourselves happy. Right? Wouldn't that be a sad life to live to just try to make yourself happy all your life. If you live, if I live for myself, am I going to be happy? Nope. Did you know living for others, living for Jesus, is the only thing that makes us truly happy? Yeah. It doesn't really make sense, but it's true. Because sometimes I remember when I had a birthday... And the whole day was about me and what I wanted to eat and what I got and my gifts. Everything was for me. Sometimes at the end of the day, I felt really empty and kind of sad. And sometimes I've seen children throw tantrums and because the whole day was about themselves and it didn't actually make them happy. But when you are helping others and you're thinking about others and what you can do for others, maybe what you can give them, maybe making them a card, guess what? That brings so much joy. Okay? So I have a verse for you. Um, in 1 Timothy 6.12, listen up. It's talking about a fight. Fight the good fight for what we believe. Hold tightly to the eternal life that God has given you, which you have confessed so well before many witnesses. And then also it says in Matthew 19, 23, then Jesus said to his disciples, assuredly, I tell you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. This verse doesn't mean a rich man or woman cannot spend eternity with Jesus. It does mean we shouldn't make it the focus of our lives to save treasures for ourselves on earth. But rather, we must work to store up treasures in heaven 
And we accomplish that by how? How do we accomplish that, Caden? How do we store up treasures in heaven? Put them in a treasure box. There's probably a treasure box in heaven with treasures. How do we store those treasures up? Yes. We give them to God. Give our time to God, right? And do things for him and for others. And that's storing up all kinds of treasure in heaven. Yes. Okay, so do you guys understand that? Can you this week try to find at least one or two ways that you can be a good, I think all of you have brothers and sisters, come up with one thing that you can do for your brother or your sister that is something that would make them happy and something that you could do for them. Can you start thinking about that and see what you come up with? Okay, well, think about it. And next week, I'm going to ask you what it is, what you came up with and how it went. Okay? All right, you can go back to your parents. Good morning. Good to see all of you here this morning. And uh, it's good to be together and praise the Lord and get dizzy singing Father Abraham. <laughs> I'm getting too old for those kind of things. But uh, it's probably uh, embarrassed my kids more than it did me, so I hope you forget. So, welcome to everybody. I'm glad you're all here. Uh, there's uh, Tea, coffee, water, and some generous soul brought some donuts that are back there. So if you want some, you better go get them. Um, I don't think we have anything planned for the week here, as far as any kind of service this week, other than our uh, prayer on Saturday is still scheduled, correct? Saturdays at 7 a.m., I believe, for anyone that wants to join in on that. And then as usual, we have our lunch following this, the service and our fellowship time around that. So please do stay for that. Um, Bill's going to be sharing the message today. I think we have uh, Judah Kofer scheduled for next Sunday now to come share with us. He was going to share with us last Sunday and then his family was sick, but thank God they're recovering and uh, I think he plans to be here next Sunday with his family as well, so we look forward to that. I don't think I have any other announcements, so let's uh, pray before we come to our uh, preaching of the word. Thank you, Father, for the blessing of this day, the blessing to gather together in your name, and we want this to be about you this morning, and we want to we want to praise you. We want to lift you up. Most of all, we want to hear from you. And Father, we just we just want to know your heart this morning. So I pray, Father, that 
through the preaching of your word, through our fellowship, that we would hear from you today, that you would speak to our hearts, draw us closer to you. I pray for Brother Phil as he speaks to us this morning. I pray that he would speak the words of life that you have given to him. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may open your Bibles with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. You therefore, you, hey you, has the Lord ever said that to you? I wonder how many people walk through a day in this life and they never hear Jesus say, hey you. Jesus doesn't get your attention that day. Do you live a day like that? I pity you if you do. That's a rough day. You, therefore, beloved. That's the next word that Jesus will say to you when he says, hey you. He says, beloved. Do you know what that word means? Can someone tell me what that word means? What does it mean to you when someone says, beloved? Has anyone ever called you beloved? Yes. Yes. What did it mean to you? It meant that. Uh, Thanks. You're, you're loved by. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the congregation, I got to say that the pastor in his sermon a lot of times would say beloved hmm. to the congregation. My guess is the reason he would say that is he was talking to people who knew they were loved. That's simply what it means is you are be loved. You are being loved. Hey you, the one whom my soul loves. Song of Solomon would say. That's what Jesus says. Those are the first words out of his mouth when he gets our attention. If you miss that in the morning, oh wonder you have a downer of a day. You don't even know for sure that you're loved that day. But when you hear Jesus say that to you every morning as you wake up and face your day, hey you, the one whom my soul loves, there are no words like it in all of your life. And there's no joy giver greater than those words. Those words will strengthen and fortify your mind and your heart for whatever that day brings. Look what happens. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard. It will guard your heart. Lest being carried away by the error of unprincipled men, or that word as we would use it, in our English term, is undisciplined men. How does someone act who's undisciplined? Have you ever seen an undisciplined person? Yeah? I've seen one right here. Have you ever felt undisciplined in life? Maybe just going through the holidays, you've kind of felt that way. Have you? You ate too much, you talked too much, you slept too much. Just 
flat out undisciplined. You just felt like it evaporated, like the dew in the morning when the sun hits it. Discipline just kind of evaporated. Watch out for that. It's an error of men. Watch out for men and women in your life who are undisciplined. You know why? Undisciplined loves company. You know why it does? Because when they meet a disciplined person, it makes them feel guilty about themselves. And they don't like that much. It's for the same reason that Jesus said in John chapter 3 that men love darkness. Why do they? They love darkness because their deeds are evil. And they're hidden in the darkness. And they won't come to the light lest their deeds be examined or reproved, one translation says. And so undisciplined people like to bring other people down from their disciplined life to have fellowship and hang out. And that's why we, what we call today a party lifestyle. A party lifestyle. You just live for the flesh. Watch out for that in your life. This is what it'll do for you. You'll fall from your own steadfastness. Steadiness is the word we call today. Someone who is steady. You're with it. You're faithful. Steadfastness. So, how do you... How do you overcome this? When you hear Jesus say, Hey you, beloved. It's the first step. You know you're loved by the God of heaven who's looking down at your life, has been watching you sleep that night. And you wake up and he says, Hey you, you're loved. The one whom my soul loves. Grow today. Watch out for undisciplinedness in your life. But do this. Grow. But grow in the grace. The influence. That's that word, grace. It just means Jesus' influence in my life. Instead of influenced by undisciplined people in my world who are encouraging me to live an undisciplined life, I am now more influenced by Jesus and anyone else in the world. By anyone else in the world. I grow in the influence and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Does your heart say amen when Jesus says those words to you every morning? We just started a new year, and so many people start with New Year's resolutions, you know. They're done with this undisciplinedness of the holidays, and they're going to resolve in their hearts to do this or do that or accomplish this. Maybe financial goals, maybe health goals, maybe exercise goals, maybe whatever goals. I don't know how this has affected you. But as I sought the Lord, I'm not a big New Year's resolution fan because I've been more disappointed by them than encouraged by them. So I decided, chuck it. Doesn't make me feel like a winner. By March, I'm a loser. And so I was asking the Lord, how can I not be a loser this year? Lose my what? Grace. And the Lord gave me these words. Grow in my influence. 
and in the knowledge of my words in your life. And you won't be a loser. You don't need to make all kinds of New Year's resolutions. They will always fail you. Why? Because they come from your own head. And you don't hear Jesus' words saying to you, Hey, you, whom my soul loves, grow in my influence this year and in my knowledge. And it'll keep you from all that unprincipled error of the way of life. As I thought about this, I thought, you know, life is so full of different seasons. And we all go through them, right? You go through seasons of life. Some people put them in decades. You know, they call them the teenage years, the, the, the wild teenage years. And they come into the 20s and you have the roaring 20s. And, and then you have the 30s, the, the you know, workaholic 30s. And, and then you have the 40s. And, well, you're starting to think about midlife crisis and feeling all weird about life and not sure that you're making anything out of your life. And, and you get into your 50s and I don't know what that looks like yet. I just turned 50. So pray for me. <laughs> maybe you're into those different crises and I thought I'd display that a bit You know, we say it's like wearing different hats. Maybe this is you. <laughs> hey, guys. What's up? Or as they text, what's up? <laughs> or are you not mood of life? What's up, dude? You know, it's just, isn't that what you think of when you see someone with a hat on like this? Like, just chill. What's up, dude? No surprise, those words come out of his mouth, right? You're not like shocked. Like, what? He's talking like a teenager. Maybe you're in this season of your life. I'll lay that hat there. Maybe you're in this season. Well, you didn't know I was a cowboy. You know, when I bought this hat, I came home. My wife looks at me and goes, are you having a midlife crisis? <laughs> Maybe I was. Cowboy moment, you know? 20-something. I got this, man. 21 and strong. You know? What do you think of a cowboy? You think of a guy who's undisciplined in his life? Probably not. Think of a guy who's out there working hard and roping calves and exercising his muscles and doing all these competitions in life, and he's got life. Got the boo by the horns, they say. Cowboy. Maybe you're in that season. Well, you know, that's the cowboy, but hey, life is work after all. Maybe you're just, put your hard hat on and you're just working. Who's there? Nothing. <laughs> Does your wife ever ask you, what are you thinking? 
Hey, honey, what are you thinking? Nothing. Have you ever put that hard hat on? I just did this past week. I had to drive all the way to Pennsylvania over 1,600 miles. Be there one day and get a trailer fixed and drive all the way back. I told my wife, I'm not overthinking it. I'm just doing it. That's it. Right, Carrie? That's how we deal with equipment life. You just you sit in that truck and you go, mile. how do you go 1,600 miles, over 3,000 miles in a week? You just do it one mile at a time. You don't think. You put on a hard hat and you just drive. You turn on the music and then you shut it off. You talk a little bit. You look out the scenery and then you just drive. That's how you overcome it. You just put on the hard hat. Well, God's a God of the working man, too. Maybe you're the hard hat season. You're just slugging it out. You're in that season where life is tough. You have a hard time paying the bills. This costs you money. This costs you money. Now you're trying to just make ends meet. Every day, you just put on that hard hat, and you're going out paying the bills. Hey guys, it's time to golf. Anybody going tea time? Is that right? Fingers crossed, right? Good swing there, Dad. Maybe that's what the 50s are for. Golfing. Wouldn't that be nice? Retirement and golfing. Maybe I'm at that season in life. I don't know. There's a lot of people in their 50s that think so. Pray for me. But I don't get carried away with that unprincipled menness. Well, I'm not saying all golfers are unprincipled. They're pretty disciplined guys, I hear. Maybe you're in this season of life now. You've kind of worked through this. You've stored up some money. Life is pretty easy. I don't have to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and go to work every morning anymore. Cool time, you know? Banker's hours, maybe. Go to work at 10. Go do some golf first, quit at three, come back, do some more golf, enjoy family, just chilling. Life is good. Maybe you're there in that season of your life. Maybe you're there, just braving the elements. Dude, it's cold out here. It's really cold. Give me some more blankets. My soul even is chilled. And you're just braving out the elements. Like Michael, Toby Mac song, you know, just braving the elements. Not a fan necessarily of Toby Mac, but Michael likes him. So I get to listen to him a lot. The elements. So whatever season you're in in life, beloved, maybe you're still just 
You know? Hey, dude, what's up? That season. Maybe you're in the cowboy season. They got this work. You're riding your horse. You're ready to rope anybody and anything that gets in your way. Maybe you're just working hard, head down, going to work every morning, you know, just slugging it out, trying to make ends meet. Perhaps you've been there, done that, and you're just kind of ready to relax now a little bit in life. Or maybe you're just come to the place where you're just slugging out the elephants, just Hunkering down. Whatever the season in your life, dear brother, sister, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard, lest being carried away by the error of unprincipled men, you fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. As I was thinking about this in my life, and praying and asking the Lord for this to be real, not just a wish, Real. More influenced by Jesus this year than I've ever been before. Growing in his knowledge of who he is and who he wants me to be, to become. The Lord brought to me three words. Three words that are a door of entrance into this life. Whatever stage I'm in, this is the same door of entrance. Jesus said, I am the door. He's the entrance into life. And Peter, who was writing these words in 2 Peter, begins the book of 2 Peter with these words. He says, seeing, verse 3, that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, God-likeness. He's given you everything that pertains to life, that which is real life, and godliness through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. What has he called you to? This is what he's called us to. Hey, you, beloved, I've called you to this. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. What are God's promises like to you? What's the covenant love? His covenant of love to you. Is it precious and magnificent? Really? I mean, you put those two together, and that's pretty awesome. Precious. David said, your word to me is sweeter than honey 
and the honeycomb. Is it to you that precious? Peter said earlier, it's more precious than gold. Really? His words are more precious to your heart than money? Really? Precious and magnificent, I found in my life. When I make them precious, they become magnificent. When you make them precious, they become awesome. They, the word magnificent, the root word is to magnify. You know how you magnify something? How many of you kids have ever looked through a magnifying glass? How many of you adults have? Yep, what happens when you, why would you use a magnifying glass in the first place? What are you trying to do? To see. See what? Better. See what better? Like bigger. Bigger. Yeah, see something that's small and it makes it big, right? That's exactly what this becomes to your life. It was small, insignificant, barely noticed, and Almost not there. But when it becomes precious, more precious than money, it blows it up in your life. It becomes huge. It fills your life. Wow. Wonder what would happen if that would happen to you every day. Wonder how that would change your life, existence. Would it actually grant to you everything pertaining to life and godliness that day? Oh, I think so. In order, verse 4, that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence, instead of undisciplined, diligence, in your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. By this time, you're pretty judgmental. You need brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours, if they're yours and are increasing, you don't come to the, you don't just buy them on the shelf and own them. Influence is greater. They're increasing. They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind. I'm not peeking. Have you ever tried to go through life blind? Oh! A deep business here. Can't see. Helps somebody help. Have you ever walked through a day like that? God's experiences that he's planned for you that day, like that. Or if these qualities, or he who lacks 
these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance, Jesus is the door into another life. Every day, Jesus is the door into that day. It's a whole new life. It's a whole new day. You've never done it before. You've never went this way. You've never lived this day. Jesus is the door. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. There you have it. You want to walk this way? There it is. No matter which season you're in. The same. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as I pondered this, the Lord gave me these three words that I'm going to share with you. The entrance into this life every day is found in these three words. Not saying them or reading them, experiencing them. Repentance, reconciliation, and redemption. Those three words. Repentance, reconciliation, and redemption. And I want to share with you the scriptural perspective and meaning. In case, in your mind, that looks like something that Jesus didn't say it looks like. Because I find I have a pretty good imagination when it comes to God's word. Have you ever found that? And it isn't hard for me to kind of think of a verse... In a certain way, and not take the time to go back and read it carefully and ask the Lord, how did you mean this? Have you ever done that? Thought about God's word, a verse, in a certain way, but you haven't taken the time to go back and read it in its context and ask the Lord for the meaning of it. Boy, I've done that a lot in my life. A lot. And you know what I found? Every time that I went back to read it carefully in context and open my heart and ask the Lord, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, that I may see. Yes. Like David prayed in Psalm 119. Open the eyes. Open my eyes, Lord, that I may behold wondrous things from thy law. Every time I did, it led me into these three experiences. First, repentance. Because in Matthew chapter 3, if you'll turn your Bibles there and read it, you'll notice that the kingdom of God comes to us only this way. You and I, do we don't get to enter God's kingdom in any other way than to repent. Why? Because in Isaiah 55, God tells us why. He says, for my ways are not your ways. And your ways are not my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so high is my way, then your way. And 
as far as the east is from the west. So great. Uh, that's another one. Let's turn. I'm going to not misquote that. Let's go and look at it. Shall we? Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. It's not the way you think it is. Seek the Lord about it. It's not the way you think. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. If you don't forsake your thoughts, you won't enter God's kingdom. That's right. You won't. Because every man is right in his own ways. In his own mind, he's right. That's what Proverbs says. So the Lord says, let the unright, righteous man forsake his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts there you have it so Jesus even before Jesus, when the John, who we call John the Baptist, came and he began to preach, what did he preach? Can someone tell me? Repent, Repent for why? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. And if you want to enter it, you must get up from your... Stop, stop sitting here looking at me. Get up from your chair and go out that door. That's what repentance means. It doesn't mean just change your mind, just say you're sorry. It says, get up, stop what you're doing right now, and go through a door, entrance into the kingdom of heaven. There's an open door for us to walk through. But as long as we sit here in the seasons of our life, and we just live by our own thoughts and our own will, we will not even enter the kingdom. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, as he began to preach, preached the same message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is right here. And if you want to enter it, you must enter by the door, Jesus Christ. You must enter his eternal life that way. In Acts chapter 2, the same gospel was preached to the huge crowd that had gathered around the 12, actually the 120 who were in the upper room, who were filled with the Holy Spirit and were speaking the words of God. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? After Peter preached them that sermon that convicted them, it convicted them of their sin. What shall we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. And I think that message in my own life too many times is a negative. I view repentance in my life as something that is maybe like the Corinthians thought it was. Look how Paul speaks about it to the Corinthians. There are two ways to repent. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8. 
For though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that the letter caused you sorrow, though only for a while. Now you'll notice, Paul's first Corinthian, the letter, the first letter he wrote to the church of Corinth is strong. Why? Because the Corinthians were pretty proud. They were saying, oh, and they were divisive with each other, and they were saying, what need do we have about Paul? And some were saying, we follow Jesus, and others were saying, we follow Peter, and there was just... A lot of stuff going on and there was sin in the church. Bad sin. Immoral sin. And you know what they were saying about it? Oh, we're so tolerant. We're so loving. You know, it's okay. We're strong Christians. We can handle this, you know. Maybe they were like Eli. Telling his sons when they were immoral and, and sinful, Eli would say, Hey, what are you doing, guys? Don't be like that. But there was no... Repentance. And so Paul wrote them a strong letter. And this is what he's talking about. I now rejoice, verse 9, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. Have you ever made, been made that sorry? I'll tell you what will make you that sorry. The words of Jesus. Hey you, greatly loved. I have a call in your life today. I have something for you to do. Will you repent from your plans today? Your way? Your thoughts? And come to me and seek me for mine? For my way that day? Today? For my will today? Or will you be so caught up in the seasons of your life you don't even hear my voice? You know how it says about wisdom in Proverbs chapter 7? Wisdom is calling, but they wouldn't hear. People are too busy. They're not listening. And so wisdom says, when they call for me, I won't hear anymore either. There comes a time when wisdom is quiet. But wisdom is still calling today. As long as it is the day of repentance, wisdom is calling out to you and I every day. In Jeremiah, the Lord told Israel, I woke up early every morning and I called you to seek me. But you wouldn't. You wouldn't respond. Verse 10. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret. No buyer's remorse here. Wow. Wow. Have you experienced that kind of repentance, dear brother, sister, where there's no remorse in it? You know why? It's opened the door of abundant life, of Jesus Christ in your life. You forsook your thoughts and your ways, and you yielded to his. You sought his that day, and there's no regret. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation but the sorrow of the world produces death. There's a sorry that produces nothing but death. That's a sorry life. And I've seen too many times in my life, I settled for that. Lord, I'm sorry. You know, you go to bed that night. Please forgive me all my sins, Lord. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
That was speaking in tongues, but it's okay, I'll translate it. It's German. <clears throat> Let's see. Can you translate it, Dad? There better be a translator here in the room, according to the scriptures. Yep, and it's basically the same prayer. A prayer for God's protection over you and confession of your sin. But there's a, there is a repentance that leaves no regret. It enters me, it takes me out of my life and my will and my thoughts and ushers me into the abundance of God's will for me that day and for the rest of my life. And this is what it worked out in the church at Corinth and they were never the same. And so the word repentance brings us into the entrance of the kingdom of God. Where Christ not only becomes your savior and forgives you, but he reconciles you. And I will look at that word. He reconciles you to God. In 2 Corinthians, just a little earlier than this, Paul was speaking to them about this reconciliation. It might seem like a big word to you. But it's actually an accounting word. Those of you who are, you balance your checkbooks, who do your own accounting, you understand this word. You simply take what you spend and you make sure that your accounts are the same as what the banks are. And if you don't, I was brought up, if you don't do that monthly or sooner than that, you might get caught in a deficit because we make mistakes. We make accounting errors. Have you ever made an accounting error? You accounted something and you made a mistake. And so if you go back and you reconcile your accounting with the bank's accounts of how much money you have, you can correct yourself before you're embarrassed and you try to run your credit card or... Pay with a check and they say, insufficient funds. That's what it means, reconciliation. So I want to look at this word with you. It's an amazing word. In 2 Corinthians um, chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Repentance makes us a new creature. The old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. You want that for your life? You're only going to have it through repentance. And allowing the Lord to take you into reconciliation. Now all these things, verse 18, are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely... That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not the counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were entreating through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That is reconciliation. And if you haven't experienced that, 
you live a sorry life. You say sorry every day, but there's no change. So repentance is not a negative word. It brings you to reconciliation. It's the way that we, our life, becomes according to his riches and glory. The life of Christ becomes my life to live. Reconciled to God. It's the way we have peace with God. Instead of going through the day saying sorry, 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 we go through the day with the strength of peace. Because we've been made right with God. My life has been reconciled according to his glorious riches and righteousness. He has made me righteous. And if you study this, there's a transaction that happens here. I have become shortchanged. And you know what he does to reconcile me? He puts money in my bank. He puts his righteousness into my life. And makes me righteous. This is not something you and I go and borrow and are in debt to. No. I'm going to show you the next word. It means exactly this. We are set free from our own deficit and are redeemed so that we owe no debt anymore. Debt free. There's this wonderful teaching. And I call it wonderful because I think it is. Uh, Many, many people have been helped through this brother called Dave Ramsey. You may have heard of him. And he, he teaches on what he calls the school of financial peace. And there's, there's a lot of truth to it. And, and I, I encourage you, if, if you want to become debt-free and you're enslaved by financial debt, it may do you, do you a lot of good. Because he promotes being debt-free. And I tell you, there's nothing like being debt-free in the world. Because... We are born debtors. Did you know that? You are born with a debt to your parents. Cost you money. Cost them money to bring you into this world. Hospital bills, if not hospital bills, midwifery bills, diapers, baby food, bottles, milk. You just, from the day you were born or conceived, you acquired debt. You were born into this world. We are debtors. We cost people money. And it takes a long time till we can start paying that money back. What if, what if the ones we cost the most money look us in the eye and say, debt free, you owe me nothing but to love me. That's it. Have you experienced that? That's what Jesus has come to do. That's the door that repentance will take you into the kingdom of God to reconcile you back to God. And the way he reconciles you is he takes all of your debt and he redeems you. Now this word redemption, I'm not sure we understand like the Hebrews understood it. The Hebrews understood it this way in Leviticus chapter 25. Turn your Bibles with me to fully understand the word redeemed, you should read the law of redemption that God gave to the nation of Israel. In verse 23, listen to these words. The land, moreover, shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine. This is God speaking to Israel. The land is mine, for you are but aliens and sojourners with me. 
Thus, for every piece of your property, you are to provide for the redemption of the land. If a fellow countryman of yours becomes so poor, he has to sell part of his property. Then his nearest kinsman is to come and buy back what his relatives sold. Or in case a man has no kinsman, but so recovers his means as to find sufficient for its redemption, then he shall calculate the years since its sale and refund the balance to the man to whom he sold it and so return to his property. But if he has not found sufficient means to get it back for himself, then what he has sold shall remain in the hands of the purchaser until the year of Jubilee. But at the Jubilee, it shall revert that he may return to his property. And if you go on the earlier part of the chapter, you can read about the year of Jubilee. Every 50th year, you got back everything you lost. If you inquired debt in the nation of Israel, they were all to be debt-free every 50 years. Completely set free of all the debt they incurred. And so, this is where he begins to talk about redemption. It means to buy back. To redeem is not just to be repentance and reconciliation. To be fully reconciled, it means that your debts have to be paid. My debts have to be paid because I owe. I've incurred debt. And indeed we do. Every day we live, we are still debtors. We incur debt. First of all, with God. Maybe you do it with your eyes. Maybe it's just in your thought life. Your thoughts are not his thoughts that day. And your eyes are not under his control. And your tongue, undisciplined, unprincipled. No control. Jesus has no control there either. Or little. And your emotions that day, well, you're in the season of life. You know, maybe you're in the, hey, dude, what's up season. And Jesus is not, not there much. Maybe you're in the cowboy season. You got this. And Jesus isn't much there either. Maybe you're in the, dude, let's get at it. Come on. Just another day. Just another day. Slugging it out. Trying to pay my bills. Maybe you're, you know, I'm out golfing. That season in life. Maybe you're finished with all of that and you're just braving the elements. And you inquire debt. You incurred debt that day. And I tell you, if by listening to me so far, you don't see your need. Jesus, you're a big loser. You're a big loser. You're incurring debt every day. And you need to be redeemed. Redeemed by his love. Have all your debts of guilt paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to read these words to you. Oh, man, you can go on and on. And throughout the scriptures, and I could, you know, preach like Apostle Paul all night long, and some of you would fall out the window sleeping. But I'm not going to do that. Don't, don't, don't worry. In Ephesians, 
I'm going to tell you how he redeems us. This, this word, just go through the scripture and look at this word redemption. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. For he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. He's kind, and he wants to pay your debts today. According to his riches and glory, by the way. How rich is that? To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. That's redemption. Do you need forgiveness today? Maybe that's why we're so miserable. We don't even see that we need to be forgiven today. In so many ways in life. I, don't, I just go through my day. I go through my season. And I don't realize that I need to be forgiven. But he, he is ready to redeem those who see their need and repent. Yes, through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. According to the riches of his grace. There's another redemption that we need down in Titus. In Titus chapter 2. Um, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us. What is he redeeming us from? Notice, from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. The redemption is not only forgiveness of sins, it's purification. And that word simply means to set apart. In Psalm, verse, chapter, Psalm 4, he says this, the godly man the Lord has set apart for himself. Has God set you, taken your life, and set you apart for his glory? He has. That's his call for every one of his children whom he adopts. He doesn't just adopt you to save you from your own corrupted life. He adopts you into his family because he loves you and he wants to redeem your life from destruction. Himself a people for his own possession in this world. You can go on and on and study these three words, but dear brother and sister, you can experience it. Repentance, reconciliation, and redemption. Every day of your life, you can be reconciled to God, redeemed. And as Carrie said this morning, you don't need to have any guilt. But we must first understand that we are guilty. And there's a gospel that's proclaimed that Jesus didn't proclaim in the world today. That is, 
just Jesus loves you. Just let him into your heart. And that's true, partly true. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open, I will come into him. But Jesus said a word to that church at Laodicea that sometimes we miss. The way to open that door is to repent. Repentance. He said, repent therefore. He said that to numerous churches. This is not a word for the ungodly sinner. Yes, it is. But it's also a word for God's people, you and me, to experience the abundance of his life that he has for me today. And so I've begun to see this word repentance as the most positive, most blessed word I get to experience on the earth. I get to repent from my own thoughts, my own ways, and be ushered into the abundant life of Jesus Christ every day. I'll give you two examples. Real quick, don't sigh too loud, Vicky. I heard you. There was one example in 1 Samuel 15. You can turn your Bible and read it there. Saul who repented. You remember how he repented? Go back and read it. You might jot this down. Go back and read it this afternoon. Samuel came. And Saul went ahead and he sacrificed. You know, Samuel said, wait till I get there. And everybody was running away and panicking and the Philistines were coming and, 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 and Saul was losing it. And so he quickly just does the sacrifice and, and Samuel comes and he tells him, because you disobeyed, the kingdom is taken away from you. The kingdom, God's kingdom is taken away from you. And Saul has his sorrow. He's like, oh, please, please, Samuel. And then he says this. Okay, okay, whatever. But at least honor me before the people. Come on, sacrifice and honor me in front of the people. And Samuel does. He gives him that honor. But how short-lived that honor was, right? It only lasted until he died in battle after he had talked to the witch. His life ended in witchcraft. That honor will lead you to the death of witchcraft. David also sinned, seemingly a much greater sin, in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Lied, murdered, and committed adultery. All three in the same month. And a prophet also came to him, the prophet Nathan. And confronted him of his sin. When he confronted him, David said, I have sinned. And he genuinely repented. Read Psalm 51. It's what David wrote as his prayer of repentance. And God said to David, You did this secretly. I'm going I'm to discipline you in front of all of Israel. And indeed, he did in front of the whole world. You and I still are talking about that sin. But do you see David in light of that sin? What do you see in David's life? He ended his life a man after God's own heart. Why? Only one reason. Repentance, reconciliation, and redemption were all true in his life. The Lord redeemed it. And through that sin, not through that sin, 
But through the relationship that came out of that sin with Bathsheba, the kingdom was carried on through Solomon. God can take our failures and usher us into the kingdom of his dear son when we genuinely repent like David. Through repentance, reconciliation, and redemption, which Saul completely missed because he simply wanted honor in this life. And that's all he got. Actually, he lived and died in dishonor. And the other great example of repentance is Apostle Paul's life, who was zealous, persecuting the church, thinking he was doing right for God. You know his testimony, right? And he turned them upside down, turned them around, and he was ushered into the kingdom of God's kingdom, of his dear son, and became a useful vessel. So dear brother, sister, if you thought about repentance in a negative way, change it up. Change it up, no matter what season you're in in your life. The Lord wants to bring us into his abundant life this year grow in this influence of repentance, reconciliation, and redemption because all my debts are being paid. It's paid for. The accounting according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus will redeem me from every lawless deed. It'll forgive all my sins. It has paid for me the whole way into eternity and for all eternity. And I won't be in debt except for one. Oh, no man, anything but this, to love one another. Are you debt-free? This is the way to financial peace. To peace. I wanted to just give you this one song by a dear brother who passed away last Sunday. I didn't know him personally, but his songs have blessed my life for many years. I want to read a little bit to you. You may have heard about the band Big Daddy Weave. And um, Jay Weaver was very instrumental in singing. I'm going to play you a clip. Do you have that, Brandon, then, when I'm ready for it? But before I do, this song is redeemed, and I was listening to it today. I was so blessed. He passed away of COVID last Sunday um, at the age of 42. And to give you a little background of this dear brother who lost both legs, in 2016, he spoke and sung of God's faithfulness during two decades of health struggles. He says this, um, this week his brother and his band's frontman, Mike Weaver, announced that those prayers for healing can turn into prayers for thanksgiving now that Jay is in God's presence. Jay died Sunday after contracting COVID-19. He was 42. The Lord used him in such a mighty way on the road for so many years, Mike Weaver said. Anyone who came in contact with him knows how real his faith in Jesus was. Um, you can Google it and, and, and read this, but he says this. Over the years, Jay Weaver shared his testimony of near-death experiences and his conditions worsened as well as the self-doubt he had to face after his legs had been amputated. It's a fairly lonely bed to lay in until the Lord is remembered, he said. 
I am lying in this hospital bed by myself. But the Lord is the best I know of anybody to come down and get in our junk with us. And that's exactly what he did. His favorite part of, of going on tour was seeing the band's music minister to people. It gives us something to look forward to. The expectation of God doing something in the hearts of people and physically seeing it with our own eyes. Chris Tomlin, who toured with Big Daddy Weave, called Weaver a great light and a true heart for Jesus. Stephen Curtis Chapman wrote that his smile, kindness, generosity, and life reflected the light of Jesus in a beautiful way. So thankful that I got to know him this side of heaven. You can continue to see, read more of his testimony, but I wanted to play the clip of this song. Here's a dear brother who for 20 years, he lost both of his legs through diabetes and other things. He struggled with a lot of physical problems. But in his struggle, brother, sister, in his struggle, he heard Jesus say, Hey, you, beloved. Sing for me. Sing for me. And he said, Okay, friend.
Thank you, Phil, for sharing that word with us. You know, we all go through phases in our lives, represented by all these hats. It's probably different phases for each one of us. Some of them may have their similarities. And uh, it's not wrong to go through phases in life. That's, that's part of life. Things change. But we serve one who doesn't change. And his, his love, his mercy, his grace, his redemption is the same through all those phases. That doesn't change. That's something that I'm thankful for this morning. Open it up for a minute or two here, or three if Steve talks. <laughs> Steve? How many um, notice on the bulletins? Uh, there's a nice picture on there. It's the eagle. But there's this, uh, also, there's a verse with that, part of it. But also, I learned it as a song years ago. So if you guys would like to tra- uh, turn your Bibles to Isaiah 40, 31. And hopefully some of you know this song. And Carrie, do you know, how to, uh, do you know this song? They that wait upon the Lord. Could you play it? Yeah. How about Jason? Jason? It goes like this. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the... Uh, sorry about that. Eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. Let's sing it again, I messed up, I'm sorry. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, to wait. God bless you. Thank you, Steve. Anyone else?
So the 60s phase of golf is actually good. A good is. one. <laughs> All right. Every phase. There you go. Every phase. Amen. Anyone else? Resources available to them, but didn't prepare for it. That's right. All right. Well, I think our lunch is ready. Thank you all for being here, participating in our service this morning. It's definitely a blessing. So let's stand if you're able, and we'll have a dismissing prayer and a blessing on the meal. Lord, we thank you for meeting with us again today, Lord. Thank you so much for the singing, Lord, and your word, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that life has its uh, ups and downs, Lord. But with you, we're able to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life, Lord. And we know at the end, you will be with us throughout this, this life already. We thank you, Lord, for the food here also, Lord. Pray that you would bless it. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, bless our fellowship this afternoon, Lord. Amen. 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 Amen.